So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to turn to Ruth chapter 2. So we've been in this four weeks. We started a four-week series. We started journeying through the book of Ruth. And so I'm just taking a chapter a week, and we're going to unpack that. And so it's this four-week series. Um, you may already know this. I may have told you in this service, may have not last week, but Ruth happens to be one of my heroes of the Old Testament. The book of Ruth is like one of my favorite books in the Old Testament because, the, I mean, the gospel comes through. God's Redemption, God's plan for us, God's love for us, God's acceptance for us. There is so much in the book of Ruth that 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 is just so encouraging to me. So so personally, uh, it is one of one of my favorite books. And so today, the title of this message is called "The Land of Promise." Last week we looked at the land of compromise. This week we're looking at the land of promise and. And in case you weren't here uh, last week, let me me just kind of catch us up because this week we're going to pick up the story uh, when Naomi and Ruth went back to Bethlehem and and Naomi says, I went away full and I came back empty and now she's bringing Ruth the Moabite with her. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story. But Ruth chapter 1, we we learned some things about Naomi. Naomi was married to a man by the name of Imelech. They they were Jewish and and God had told the Jewish people, do not go to the land of of Moab because God had used the Moabites to to discipline the children of Israel and and in 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 Moab they weren't really well they weren't they weren't God followers uh, the people of Moab they just simply believed there's a lot of ways to God just pick your way it doesn't matter which God you worship it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in God you'll get there and so God said you know what as God followers we follow Yahweh the true God we we follow him and so as a result of that they told the Jewish people do not go to Moab uh, in Moab they, they don't not, they not only worship multiple gods, but there was sexual immorality and, and a lot of things, a lot of temptation. And so God said, just stay in the land of promise. Just stay with me. Just follow me. And so, but the problem is, Naomi was married to Imelech, and they had two boys, um, Malon and Kilion. And, um, and, and, and there, was, um, there was a downturn in the economy in, in Bethlehem, and they went through this... this, this uh, um, I just fought, forgot the word. Do what? Famine. Thank you. After you've said it three or four times, you're like, did I? Anyway. And so they went through this famine. There's a, there's a downturn in the land, and, and famines are horrible. And Amalek began, came into the, he began to believe that, will I be able to take care of my family? And But God told him, stay in the land of, of Bethlehem. But he trusted in self and not in God. And he says, you know what? We're going. So he moves the family to Moab, and it was 10 years of tragedy for Naomi. I mean, they, they get into the land of, of Moab, and it was there that, that uh, um, Kilion and, and, and Malon took Moabite women's, the, the reason, or wives, and, and, and they got married there. And the reason God asked the, Jew, the, the Jewish people not to marry Moabites is because they weren't God followers. They weren't following Yahweh, and he didn't want them to be unequally yoked. Like Paul talks about that in Corinthians, right? And about this issue of being equally yoked in marriage and equally yoked with other believers. And so, so they get over into Moab, and guess what? The boys marry these Moabite women. And then shortly after that, Imelech dies. And so Naomi buries her husband, and shortly after that, both of her boys die. And she, she buries both of her sons. I mean, it's tragedy after tragedy, difficulty after difficulty. And then she's left with these two Moabite daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. And so she gathers these girls together, and she says, you know what? 
I have heard of the goodness of, of the Lord in Bethlehem. There's something about the goodness of God that draws us back to him, right? Draws us back to him the first time or maybe in those times in, 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 in our life when someone strays and, and goes to the land of compromise and begin compromising in their life and they go through difficulty and they hear of the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that draws them back. And that's what happened with Naomi. So Naomi is like the goodness of God. I've heard that he's visited that our people in, 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 in Bethlehem. I'm going back. I don't know if they're going to accept me. I've turned my back on my family. I've turned my back on my religion. I've turned my back on family and friends and all those other things. But I'm going back because I just bet being in, in Bethlehem with God is better than being Moab trying to trust myself. And so the girls, her daughters-in-law, Orpah and, and Ruth said, well, we're going with you. And she's like, no, 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 don't go with me. You're Moabites. Go, go back to your family. You know, find husbands and back to your family and, and plan a life here. And both of them made a decision, says, no, we're, we're going back with you. But something happened with Orpah, and we don't know what happened. She had a commit commitment with her mouth only. And it says that she, she kissed Naomi, but Ruth clung to Naomi. In other words, that, that, that Ruth's decision was... Was, was valid and was real because all of a sudden her life began to change. And she says, I'm, I'm going back with you. And then it takes us up, Romans, uh, Romans Ruth, chapter 1, verse 16. Here, here, here's what, what the conversation between Naomi and Ruth, and then we'll jump into chapter 2. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. We, we would say this is like a salvation prayer. In, in our time, I mean, a lot of times pastors will read this pa passage in a marriage. This has nothing to do with marriage. This has to do with salvation. This has to do with following God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. This is a huge commitment. Ruth the Moabite has made this decision. This is shocking to Naomi. This is a little bit shocking to Ruth because Ruth is wondering, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an outcast. I mean, I know, I know what the Jewish people think of the Moabites. I know what they've been told. And so she's wondering, how will God accept me and how will the people accept me? But she figures the same as Naomi. She's like, you know what? I just bet life with God has to be better than life without God. Amen. So I'm going. I'm going. They go in total silence. I mean, this is shocking to both. This is a huge moment. And they, they, they get to the outskirts of Bethlehem. And the scripture says the whole city was stirred because all of a sudden they ask this question, is, is that Naomi? Now remember, hard for us to believe. This is, before, this is before the Google. This is before Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, social media. They haven't heard or seen of Naomi since she left. They just know, knew she had a father, a husband, Imelech, and two boys. And now she's coming back, and she has this, this girl with her. And so they say, is, is this Naomi? Remember, in the Old Testament, names meant something. Naomi meant blessed, pleasant, lovely. Naomi looked at them and says, you know what? Never refer to me Naomi ever again. I am now Mara. You know what Mara meant? Bitter. Naomi went on and said, I, I, I left full, and I've come back empty about 5% of myself. I feel like the Lord's hand has been against me, and guess what? That's what it feels like in the land of compromise. 
You start dealing with consequences. You, you can come to the place and feel like, I, I think God's against me here. Because I went away full and I came back empty. Can you imagine how Ruth the Moabite felt? She's standing next to, next to Naomi. And she's like, what, what do you mean empty? I'm, I'm with you. They both came back together. One was an outcast. One, Ruth, not raised in church, no spiritual background. She's coming to him for the first time. Naomi, raised in church, follower of Yahweh, turned her back on family and friends, church, religion, everything. And they're both coming back. And it's, listen, I'm telling you, there's a beautiful picture of God's grace and God's love, God's provision. I, I just want you to think about this and let this sit for a moment. Ruth and Naomi are sitting and she says, I've, I've come, I, I left full and I've come back empty. But that next verse says, but the barley harvest is beginning. Answer to their prayers is beginning. You ever thought about this? Ruth and Naomi are standing literally in the middle of a miracle and they don't even know it. They don't even notice it because they're pain and they're hurt and they're empty. Could it be this morning? You're standing in the middle of a miracle and you don't even know it. You don't even notice it because your hurt is so great. Your pain is so great. Maybe you've been praying for something over and over and over and you've come to the place. Does God even see? Does God even know? But literally, do you know God is working behind the scenes, but the barley harvest has started. The answer is coming. So in the time that I have with you this morning, I want, I want to give you four things, four principles. And I, and I tell you, I just want to serve you well this morning. I just want you to grab the gospel, God's love for you, God's care for you. Guess what? We've lifted it out of the pages of the Old Testament. God's word is true. God's word is consistent of his love, his care, and his concern for you. The first principle is this. When, when you re return from the land of, of, of compromise, you will always be empty. When you return from the land of compromise, whatever area that is that you've compromised in your life, you've been disobedient to the teachings of scriptures, the ways of God, whatever, however you want to phrase that, you will always come back empty. Naomi, remember I said she went away full and she came back empty. She said, I'm like 5% of myself. Never refer to Naomi again, just Mara, bitter. I mean, the compromise has left me bitter. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Imelech, whose name was Boaz. Now, I want to try to help you to understand that this text, because we, we, we do have a little bit of a, of a challenge here this morning. If we were a Jewish audience, we would understand this text even to a deeper way because we understand the culture, we understand what's going on. If you were a Jewish audience, and I, I read this text to you about the clan of Imelech, who was, who, whose name was Boaz, all of a sudden you would notice there is something happening here. There is something going on here. You would, you would understand the this, this story is a beginning to change. See, the Israelites, they, they were part of a family, and a family was part of a clan, and a clan was a part of a tribe. 
And in that tribe was this man by the name of Boaz. And see, in the Israelite teachings and in, in community and the way of life, that you were born into a family and your family was part of the clan and your clan was part of a tribe. And as a result of that, everybody had obligations to the family to, to meet needs and provide protection and encourage and support one another. They understood what it meant to be a community. They understood what it meant to be a community of people that followed Yahweh, that followed God, and they did that in community. They did it together. The same is true in the New Testament. But a lot of times, contemporary Christians, we don't understand it. We don't understand it to that level. The scripture says that when you're born again, guess what? He puts you into a new family. A lot of times we think, you know what? Only thing that's important is my immediate family. My immediate family, man, we're Americans. We're individualistic. We only care. You know what? It's about me and it's about my family. But the scripture says that when you're born again, he baptizes you now into the family of God where you've got brothers and sisters in Christ. And guess what? You've got obligations. You've got responsibilities. That's why it's so important to come into the community and serve one another and pray for one another, encourage one another, support one another, do ministry together, life groups, all those other things because we realize, guess what? i got brothers and sisters in Christ I'm going to have for eternity. And see, this is what's going on. This is what's happening in Boaz. Boaz is like the knight in shining armor. He's going to step into the story and watch this. This is just verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite, so the writer's wanting the Jewish audience, wanting us to know, she's the outcast, okay? And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter, and see... In, in their laws, their custom, that God had set up a harvest season for the poor. I don't know if you know this, but God cares about the poor. God cares about the marginalized. And if God cares about the marginalized, if God cares about the outcast, if God cares about the poor, then so should we. That's why a lot of our giving, a lot of our outreach goes to the poor and the less fortunate and the marginalized and the people that we've seen as outcast of society and forgotten by society. They're, they're just pushed to the fringes. And so God taking care of the poor, because God cares about the poor, at the end of a harvest season, before the barley harvest was coming, before the next season, the next harvest was coming, what they would do, those landowners that like, like would take their faith and apply their faith and take their faith and say, if God cares about the poor, then I care about the poor. Then what they would do when they would harvest, they wouldn't harvest the corners of their field. They wouldn't harvest the fringes of their field. And they allowed the poor to come in. It was like an offering. It was like a giving. They allowed the poor to come in and to harvest them. It was the way that they took care of the poor. It's the way that God took care of the poor. And so Ruth is just simply saying, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find and try to find that landowner that takes seriously the teachings of the Old Testament, the teachings of, of God, and I'm going to find if there's someone that actually cares about the poor. Here's the here's ironic thing is, is a Moabite. She shouldn't have even been allowed to glean a field. That was only for the Jewish people. So when you look at this, a second principle is this. Sin from your past does not dispel hope for your future. Sin from your past does not dispel hope for your future. Watch this, verse, verse 3. And so she, Ruth, so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers 
And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Imelech. Now, a lot of times we would say, you know what, in life, when like, like something works out for us, as luck would have it. There is no part of luck in this story. There's no part of luck in your story. God is sovereign and God is in control and God is in control of their life. It is not as luck would have it. God was in, in control and all of a sudden Ruth goes and happens to glean the field of Boaz. She doesn't know that. But every Israelite had a family, had a clan, had a tribe. And in their tribe was this man named Boaz. So he had some responsibilities. See, God, what verse 3 tells us, God seeks the outcast. God seeks the marginalized. God seeks out those people that says, you know what, if you knew my sin of my past, if you knew my story, the church wouldn't accept me. God wouldn't accept me. There is, listen, let me tell you something. God's grace is bigger than your greatest sin. God's grace in your life covers your sin. And see, this is Naomi, and this is Ruth, this is her story, this is, this is what's happening. And in this, you get to see the picture of God's character. God is showing his love for Naomi, the one that's returning to God, through Ruth. And then God is showing his love and concern for the poor, through Boaz. This is the picture, just the character of God. God, God cares for the poor. God cares for the outcasts. This is why we're so passionate here of reaching the marginalized, of reaching the poor, the outcast. This is why we're so passionate of every week of streaming our service into Pueblo County Jail and sending prayer partners in to pray over inmates, to have spiritual conversations with them. Because guess what? God cares. God cares for the marginalized. God cares for the less fortunate. And if God cares for them, we should care for them. Verse 4 and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. So Boaz is the one that made this statement. He says, He said, The, the, Lord, be, the, Lord, the Lord bless you. The Lord be with you. In the Old Testament, it's true. And I think it's true of today as well. You can tell a lot by man, by the language that he uses. You can tell a lot by a man and a woman by the words they use, the language they use, how they talk about their spouse, about their family, about their friends, how they talk about the poor, how they talk about the less fortunate, how they talk about the Lord, how they talk about the... You can tell a lot by a person. Just telling you by the words they use. When Boaz says, the Lord bless you, all of a sudden you knew something's different about this guy. This guy's like the real deal. Church for him is just not some religious activity he goes through and not really changes anything about his life. I mean, this, this guy's the real deal. Verse 5, watch this. Now, if you're a Jewish audience, you'd get this. I'll help you. <laughs> then Boaz said to the young man, who is in charge of the reapers? And whose young woman is this? You know what he's saying? Check her out. In our language, okay? 
You know, he's asking, is she available? (laughs) Notice, he doesn't say, who is that? He says, whose young woman is that? You know, he's asking, is she a God follower? That's the first thing he wants to know. Is she a believer? Does she follow God? Does she follow Yahweh? Because I'm not going to be unequally yoked. I'm not going to be in a spiritual mismatch. God does not allow, God does not want that. You can tell a lot by man. The words he says, the decisions that he makes. And so now all of a sudden you see the tension because she's Ruth the Moabite. In verse 6, so, so, he, so the servant goes, and the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, Oh, she's the young Moabite woman. So all of a sudden you, you want to feel the tension. She's the Moabite who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. So he says, you know what? She's not from here. She's a, she's a Moabite. Verse 7, so he, he says, so she said, please let, let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came. And she has continued from early in morning until now, except for a short rest. In other words, she's a hard worker. Then Boaz said to Ruth, so now he's like, hey, I'm going to go talk to her. Now listen, my daughter, do not... Go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? See, that's a huge question. It's a huge, huge question. Unfortunately, not all the landowners lived what they, they believed. You know what happened a lot of times when the poor, when the marginalized came into the fields to, like, glean the fields? They abused them. A lot of times society takes advantage of the poor and the marginalized. Boaz is saying, I've I've told my men, you're safe here. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young man have drawn just so we're tracking this morning, that's like, that's like the Old Testament pickup lines of all, all pickup lines right there. <laughs> it was unheard of for a landowner to do that. And say, hey, even the water that, our, that we drink, you drink from the same well. That, that just wouldn't happen. My daughter, don't go from here. Stay here. Don't go to anybody else's field. All of a sudden, you see that Boaz is starting to protect her and even though she's a foreign woman, I mean, he, he is protecting her. And, and so if you're a Jewish audience, I mean, it's got, gotten tense. I mean, this is like shocking to you, verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing down to the ground. You know what she's doing? She's worshiping Yahweh. God, you've answered my prayers. How can somebody with my past, with my story, be accepted and be provided for? And so she said to him, why? Because you can see the shock. Why I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since, since I'm a foreigner. You know what she's saying? Do you not know my story? If you knew my story, you would reject me. You ever felt like that? Sin from your past does not dispel hope from the future. There's so many believers that don't understand that his grace is greater than your greatest sin. And there are believers that are actually afraid of telling their story, telling their past. One, because they may not have felt totally, completely forgiven by him. But the other thing, they're worried that, you know what? If you actually knew me, 
If you actually knew my story, if you actually knew my sin, you would not accept me. You would like reject me. And that's Ruth. I mean, that is Ruth. Verse verse 11. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since your death and your husband has been fully told to me. So in other words, he, he's checked her out. I mean, he, he's, he's gone behind the scenes and says, Who is this woman and what is she like? And how you left your father and mother in your native land and you came to the people that you did not know before. In other words, I'm, I'm totally shocked at your faith. Here's the interesting thing. You can see the character of God in this. You know what Boaz points out? Not her greatest sin. He points out the good stuff. You left your land. You left everything to like follow Yahweh. The Lord repay you for what you've done. And a full reward given to you. That's huge. Not half a reward because you're a Moabite. Not half a reward because of your sin of the past. Not half of a reward because of what you've done. No, I want, you, you get a full reward. Be given to you by the Lord and the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. That is just an Old Testament picture. You are now a God follower and you rest under his wing. The third thing is this. The land of promise is always under the protection of God. The land of promise is always under the protection of God. And God is making a way for Ruth to be protected. He's making a way to provide for the needs of Naomi and her. Verse 13. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And so she's in total shock. Just again, just want to reiterate, I'm a Moabite. Are you sure? Verse 14, and at mealtime Boaz said to her, come, come and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers. He passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until, so important, she ate until she was satisfied, and guess what? She had leftovers. Now, just real quickly, this is like their first date. <laughs> I mean, roasted grain would be like, you know, like someone calling you up, some guy calling you up and saying, hey, I want to take you to the most expensive restaurant. And I, want to, I want to have a date. I want to have dinner with you. This is what's going down right here. But please, please, please do not miss this. You're going to see this two times. It's so important. Remember Naomi left full, came back empty. Ruth was never had been full. She came empty. <laughs> now in the land of promise, when she went back to Yahweh, where she accepted Yahweh, came under his wings for refuge, it says she was completely satisfied and had left. You know what she was wanting? She was just hoping for enough to get by. Enough to survive. Now she's, not, she's satisfied. But watch this. Verse, verse 15. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her green, even, glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Also pull out some of the bundles for her. Leave it to for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. Talking about being blessed. 
So just real quickly, an average man in their time needed like one to two pounds of grain a day to live. You know how much an ephah is? You know how much she gleaned? 30 to 35 pounds. Shocking. Shocking. Ruth comes with nothing, and now she's satisfied, and she has leftovers. It's a picture of the character of God and God providing for the poor. And yeah, Boaz was the immediate provider, but God is the ultimate provider. And God has ordained and called his people to provide and care for the poor. And Verse 18, and so she shook it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law, which is Naomi, saw that what she had gleaned, and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over <laughs> after being satisfied. In the land of promise, Ruth is satisfied. Naomi is satisfied. Both came empty and both were satisfied to where they had leftovers. Naomi and Ruth are just hoping just to get a <coughs> have enough to get by. And now they have more than enough. The fourth and the last thing is this. In the land of promise, there is provisions. In the land of promise, that's, that's, that's why we don't compromise. That's why we don't lead our family so that we hand our faith off and we don't lead our family like Imelech had led his family. And Naomi takes the family and, and goes back with Ruth and goes back to the land of promise. And Naomi has like no clue yet what's happening. See, it is possible for you to be standing in the middle of a miracle and not even notice it, not even know what God is doing. Naomi doesn't even know the best news yet, and, and Ruth has really no clue. I mean, she knows where she's been working, but she really has no clue the, the depths of this. Verse, verse 19, and her mother-in-law said to her, basically, 30 to 35 pounds of grain, that's a lot. So let me ask you some questions. Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man. I mean, something's going on here. Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, I don't know who this guy is, but this, this man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness is not forsaking the living or the dead. And Naomi said to her, Ruth, don't you know who this is? This man is a close relative of ours. He's one of our redeemers. See, Leviticus says that when, when a close relative loses a, a loved one, loses a spouse, losing a husband, especially with a woman, that the, the, the people that are in the clan and the tribe can, can, can redeem them. They had the right to purchase them or, or provide for them or to, to protect them. And this is what's going on. God is providing for her needs, verse, verse 21. And so in Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you shall be assaulted. In other words, she's saying there's protection. There is protection in following God. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. And now Ruth and Naomi, they come into the land of, of, of promise. They've been in the land of compromise, and they come back, and their needs are being met. 
I mean, it says once, it says now that they have been totally and completely satisfied. When you look at this principle, you realize that, guess what? God saw Naomi, and God saw Ruth, and God saw what they needed. And just as God saw them, God sees you. God knows exactly what you're walking through. God knows exactly where you need Man, just as he saw Naomi and Ruth and he accepted them, he accepted, he accepted Naomi back. He accepted Ruth for the very first time. And we know that they were deeply loved by him. I just want you to know this morning that God sees you in Christ. You're a beloved son and you're a beloved daughter. Naomi. Says, I left away full. I'm in 100% of myself. And I've come back empty. Life for me is just like getting through it. Life for me, you know what? After the land of compromise and what I've gone through, I'm about 5% of myself. When you understand the gospel, when you understand the cross and what Christ has done for us, that we're deeply loved in him, we're totally and completely forgiven that the best place for us is not in somebody else's field, not in wandering to places he has asked us not. It's, it's, with, it's, it's with him, and it's following him. Jesus is the one that said this. He says, the thief, Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come, what? I have come that you may have life, and that life to the fullest. That life to 100% of yourself. That's what's offered to us. There's so many believers. Listen, I'm just telling you, there's so many believers that come to him or come back empty. And they get up to 5% or they get up to 40% or they get up to 50% of themselves. And say, this is just my lot in life. And I'm telling you, God did not come out of the grave. For you to live a life of 50 or 60% of yourself. He came out of the grave to give you life and to give you life to the fullest. And you may live in your life about 50 or 60% of yourself, but you're posting on Facebook like 110% of yourself. But you know the truth. You know the truth. That's just your Facebook life. You know the truth. When you understand the cross, when you understand the gospel, it is way deeper than just forgiveness of sin. Scripture says that we were dead in our sin. And we have been born again We have been raised to newness of life. We have a new life. And as a result of that, in Christ, we can live life to the fullest. Because we know that he sees us. He loves us. He cares for us. I don't care where you've been. The sin of your past does not dispel hope for the future. We see that. In Naomi's life, we see that in Ruth's life. And I pray you see that in your life. Do you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?